So you're in your psychology class uh, in college, and your professor's talking to you about, you know, the start of the semester and the things that you need to do before the end of the semester. And one thing you need to do is participate in four psychological studies. And so you're given a list of different studies that you could participate in. You sign up for the ones that sound interesting to you. Fast forward a couple days and you're going to your first psychological study. And throughout the study, all you're being told is that there will be an experimental group and a placebo group. And so you go through with the experiment relatively unscathed. And on your drive back home, you're asking yourself, well, we've all heard of placebos and the placebo effect, but how is it that a sugar pill can actually result in such a strong emotional effect in the people that take it? Well, let's talk about the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, all you scientists, and welcome on back to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host, Atticus Hamilton, and as you heard in the intro of today's episode, we're going to be talking about the placebo effect. You know, this is an episode I've wanted to do for a while now. Um, I just, you know, I haven't had the time. Uh, as you could tell, since my uh, a little bit of the, the sporadic uploads or whatnot, um, trying my best here to, to keep to a regular schedule uh, but you know just like with everything sometimes life gets in the way but ladies and gentlemen um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the placebo effect but before we can talk about the placebo effect I'd like to first invite you to grab yourselves a nice steaming hot cup of coffee add a little bit of maple syrup to it and uh, we'll jump right in now, um, now that you got your coffee and you're all ready and relaxed and ready to listen to the science behind that uh, and learn about the placebo effect, we first need to talk a little bit about basic psychology. So humans are uh, very, very social creatures. Um, we do best uh, from a physical and mental health perspective when we are in the company of other individuals. Now, this is why uh, the work-from-home situation um, for millions of people worldwide has been a disastrous thing. For a lot of people, it's been great. But from a psychology perspective, it has really impacted a lot of people worldwide because of the social aspect of it. Um, And in any situation, generally, when humans are removed from other human social interaction, we tend to fare worse than if we were in a group of people. And that's just because we have evolved to be a a group sort of organism. Sorry, I needed a sip of my latte there. Um, But we have evolved to be a group organism, to, to work together to solve problems. And we see this in our psychology. And the placebo effect isn't really that different. So, in a basic sense then, what is the placebo effect? Well, the placebo effect is basically when a substance that doesn't do anything or a, uh, you know, an action that doesn't do anything um, 
convinces a person that they're feeling some sort of beneficial effect from it just because their belief that it will work, right? And in a, in a very basic sense of saying, well, how does the placebo effect work? It's triggered by the person's belief in the benefit from the treatment and or their expectation of feeling better rather than the characteristics of the placebo. So they, they believe that they're receiving the real drug, for example, and so their brain convinces themselves that they're feeling better. So um, there's a variety of different types of uh, placebos, um, and you know there's a, a, a lot of different ways that we can see this in action. But I think after, after mentioning that, the most basic definition of a placebo effect, I think the next question that comes up is why? You know, why is it? that uh, just believing something will work can um, help uh, alleviate symptoms of various things. And, and the other question is, is the placebo effect effective in everybody? And the simple answer is no. It's effective in about 50 to 70% of people with the, the, the mean of that data f uh, falling more around 66%. Now, why is that? Well, the psychology of it is very similar to things, uh, to psychological reactions that we have seen in in uh, experiments such as the Stanley Milgram experiment. Now, some of you out there, I'm sure, immediately are like, "Oh, yes, we're talking about the St the Milgram experiment," um, and you know, I'm I'm sure that a lot of you that listening to this podcast know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't, the Milgram experiment was, or Stanley Milgram was a psychologist at Yale University, and uh, in 1963, Milgram sort of became obsessed with uh, studying the justifications for acts of genocide offered um, by the Nazis during the Nuremberg War criminal trials. Um, and so he became obsessed with studying what these justifications were for soldiers that were for, uh, from Nazis during the Nuremberg trials as to why they did the horrendous acts that they did. And so in a, in a theatrical sense, it was during this time that Milgram formulated a hypothesis that um, he basically hypothesized, is it the case that people will blindly obey orders from somebody that they perceive to be a, uh, a superior? You know, is it, is, is it the case that they will blindly be obedient even if they don't know why they're supposed to do what they're asked to do? And so that is where the idea for the Milgram experiment was born, basically. And so what was the Milgram experiment? So basically, Milgram had selected a, a group of participants um, by putting in an advertisement in a newspaper at Yale University for uh, male participants. Um, and so the, each participant was paired with another person um, 
that they randomly uh, decided would be either a learner or a teacher. Um, of course, unknown to them, the draw was fixed so that uh, the participant was always uh, a teacher and the learner was an actor that was hired by Milgram to act in this experiment. So what was the experiment? Well, the experiment was um, the learners or the participants were all told that they were going to go into this room and their, uh, or the, sorry, the teachers were all told that they were going to go into this room and their learner or the, the stooge basically was going to go into another room and get hooked up to a machine that administered electric shocks. And, um, you know, before they're hooked up to the machine, each of the teachers were showed that it administered electric shocks by placing their hands into this machine and administering a very low voltage, 15 volts of electricity. And then the teachers were placed into the room one by one and just told by a man in a white coat to ask questions to the learner. And if the learner gets the questions wrong, they have to progressively increase the amount of electric shock that uh, they administer. Um, and the goal of this experiment was to see if, despite the stooge on the other side acting like he was in great pain, Milgram wanted to see if the participants would just continue just because a man in a white coat said, please continue. And sure enough, they did. So there were 40 males uh, aged between 20 and 50. Um, and so 65% of participants continued to the highest level of electric shock, which was 450 volts. Now, mind you, at this level, the actor was not connected to the machine. The actor was not connected to the machine for any part of it, and they couldn't see the actor. Um, but the actor was supposed to act like he was in great pain up to 300 volts. Now, above 300 volts of electricity, that's the lethal the zone. And so when 65% of the participants would get to this level, they were administering 450 volts of electricity, or they thought they were, to somebody who was no longer responding. So they knew that that patient, or they thought that that patient died, but they were still administering it just because the experimenter was in the same room. Um, and so ultimately, the results indicated that 65% of people, at least in this study, will blindly follow orders despite the fact that they know these orders to be cruel or to be wrong. And, of course, this, this uh, experiment has been repeated many times, along with other experiments examining the same thing, and all the results come up the same way. Roughly 65, 66, sometimes lower, 60% of participants will blindly obey orders. So now you may be like, well, Atticus, what does this have anything to do with placebos? Patients who are in placebo trials are rarely told that it's a placebo. 
they're given a, a drug and they're told what the drug does and around the same number that we see in the Miller trials will, or the Miller experiment will say that there is an effect. They will feel better because their brain is convincing themselves that, well, you know, this person of authority is giving me this substance that's supposed to help with whatever pain I'm feeling or, or what the experiment is for, so I must be getting better. And so in that sense, the brain actually convinces us that, or 65% of us, that we're feeling better. And it's, the effect is exemplified, especially if it's in a social situation. We are social creatures. And you can apply the Miller experiment in another sense to if you have a group of participants, a group of people, all but one are actors. The one person in there that isn't an actor is the experimental subject. If all the actors starts answering questions incorrectly, even if it's so blind or so blatantly incorrect, 66% of the uh, participants will start answering questions that they know are inaccurate just to fit in. So all of this psychology kind of works together with the placebo effect just in a different capacity. Our brains end up convincing ourselves that um, the sugar pill we took uh, will cure our symptoms. Fascinatingly, we even see this when participants are told that what they're taking is a placebo. In fact, a study led by Kapchuk and published in the Science and Translational Medicine or Journal of Science and Translational Medicine uh, explored this very idea and they wanted to see how people were to react by taking migraine medication, specifically if one group took a migraine drug labeled with the drug's name and another group took a placebo labeled placebo, and then the third was a control and they took nothing. The research discovered that the placebo was 50% as effective as the real drug to reduce pain after a migraine attack, even though they knew it was a placebo. There is another study as well that looked specifically, that tried to specifically map um, the brains of people with chronic pain from um, osteoarthritis in the knee, and they tried to see where in the brain um, the brain was responding to placebos. And they found that those who felt pain relief after the placebo, uh, in the placebo group had greater activity in the middle frontal gyrus of the brain, which is about one-third of the frontal lobe. Now, the frontal lobe is primarily responsible for, you know, complex reasoning and um, personality and whatnot. But the middle frontal gyrus uh, plays a key role in the development of literacy, um, while the non-dominant middle frontal gyrus is more responsible for numeracy. And um, it, it is very interesting because along with that, this region of the brain is responsible for at least part of um, more complex thought and uh, critical thinking, um, a spe a specifically as it applies to um, 
language and, of course, more hard, tangible things like mathematics, which is very interesting, I think. Um, now, I'm not quite sure yet, and I'm not sure if other researchers are, how this or why this region is lighting up with uh, placebos. But it is very interesting because I think that one thing it does show is that for the placebo effect, I think this highlights that the brain is basically convincing itself that it's feeling a benefit even though it's not. And we see that dopamine levels spike, um, oxytocin levels spike, and serotonin levels spike, ex especially for um, pain experiments. When, you know, it, um, placebos are given and, and stated to be analgesics, we see a lot of um, those hormones spike in placebo groups, not so much in the ex actual experimental groups, which goes along with the idea that the brain is, again, convincing itself that the drug is working, even though it's a sugar pill. So ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for you today. I know today was kind of an interesting episode. We talked, I mean, the focus was on... Um, the placebo effect, but I, I hope that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you had fun listening to, you know, talking about these other areas of psychology and sort of how they interplay together, um, especially when it comes to the blind obedience, because believe it or not, that does have a big effect on the placebo effect, which is why not everybody responds to placebos. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I promise I will have an episode for you on Friday. We're going to talk about uh, processed meat, what that is, what they are, and why it's bad for you. Uh, so until then, ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic week, and I will see you all on Friday. Remember, as always, stand up and question everything.